Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Closely with John and Chris. I'm one half of your favorite podcast duo. I'm John, and I am in the tri-state area, uh, southwestern Connecticut to be exact, in case you are a groupie and want to track me down. That's a good place to start. <laughs> I am joined, as always, by our man in the Pacific Northwest. Hello, Chris. Hello, John. Um, How are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. I've, as I'm sure you would imagine, I've had a lot of groupies on my tail already, so I'd like to just leave it very vague and say Pacific Northwest, so uh, That's fine. keep some privacy. Yeah. Keep some privacy, absolutely. And uh, here we are. It is early December, holiday season. Thanksgiving is thankfully in the rearview mirror, but did you have a good Thanksgiving? I want to know. I did. I did. It was, you know, it was definitely different. Uh, I was not able to go home to the East Coast this year, but uh, just me and two friends for uh, COVID-friendly small gathering Thanksgiving times. How about yourself? Oh, it was lovely. You know, it was small gathering, uh, but uh, but it was good. I saw my folks. I saw my neighbors. It was uh, the usual. Now, did you uh, did you eat a lot of turkey? You know, the turkey to me is I compare the turkey to Seinfeld, right? Like if you go back to the show Seinfeld, iconic, of course, and you know Jerry is the maestro. But really, when you think of the funniest moments on that show. None of them are about Jerry. It's all about the ancillary characters, right? But exactly, you, you kind of need Jerry there to hold it together. And that's how I feel about the turkey. Like, I never walk away from Thanksgiving being like, man, I love turkey. It's about all the other stuff. I love the sweet potatoes. I love the cranberry sauce. I love roasted vegetables, you know, the stuffing. But I feel like if you don't have the turkey, then it's just sort of chaos. I, I agree with you 100%. Turkey binds it all together. So it's safe to say you ate some turkey. Is it safe to say you ate a good amount of stuffing? You know what? My, my host is <laughs> extremely anti-stuffing and did not, did not do stuffing. No. Did, did you eat a lot of sweet potatoes? N- yams. I not love yams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now let me ask you this, Chris. Did yeah. you eat a lot of did you eat a lot of bread? I see what you've done here. I see what you've <laughs> see what you've done. Um, yes, I did eat a fair amount of bread, John. Why? Good. Why would you ask? Well, I think that uh, that segues perfectly into this week's very very special episode. Since you had so much starch over Thanksgiving, why don't you tell our listeners and our groupies alike uh, what is in store for them for the next oh. 45 minutes. You mean the, the little-known uh, British group Gluten that we're going to be covering today? Is that- yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, we are, we're going to be doing a special episode, a little bit different than usual. Uh, rather than focusing on a single album here, we're going to be keying in on a particular musician, incredibly talented singer-songwriter. He was really the front man of the group Bread. Uh, which came to fame in the late 60s and early 70s. He's going to be turning 80 years old on December 11th, and we thought it was appropriate to give tribute to this legendary musician, the great David Gates. Yes, 
and and he really is a, a sentimental favorite, I think, Chris, and I'm sure you would agree. He was kind of the turkey that held bread together, if you will. <laughs> no, but he was so much more. Uh, he was the band's principal uh, singer and songwriter, and his, his songs that he wrote for others and his solo stuff, uh, however limited the catalog was, is exceptional. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about David Gates and celebrate his 80th birthday and sort of revisit his career and his work. When I started this podcast earlier this year, the, the raison d'etre, if you will, Chris, of, of Listen Closely was not to simply celebrate music that, that I've loved for a long time and that you have loved for a long time, but also to pay homage to the individual or individuals who gave us that music. And I think, and you would agree here, it's important to note that this podcast is as much about nostalgia as it is about music. And I think that's what makes it so special. And it's about the way that the nostalgia and the music are tied together and sort of bonded with these artists, albums, and songs that we speak of every week. And listen, offline, we've talked uh, many times about how we've seen so many of these icons leave us over the last few years. Bowie, Glenn Fry, George Michael, Prince, Eddie Van Halen. But there's icons who are still with us and who are still alive and well, albeit maybe not performing much. Uh, although no one's really performing these days. And uh, I think that David Gates doesn't get spoken of enough. People have sort of forgotten about this man. And part of that is his own doing. He kind of hung it up at the height of his career. And I think he lives on like a cattle ranch or something in Oklahoma somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I do respect that. You know, he, the rock star lifestyle wasn't for him. But what a songwriter. His body of work is incredible. The, the mystery that surrounds David Gates and that surrounds Bread, and I think one of the reasons why we're going to pay homage this week, is that you know there's really not much out there about him or about the band. As far as I know, there's no official Bread Instagram or Facebook pages. There's no Bread Twitter handle. There's no Bread cover bands out there that I'm aware of, although I think maybe you and I might want to consider starting one, Chris. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't exactly hear Brett all that much on FM or AM radio these days. There's really no. So his body of work is so damn good that it deserves to be recognized. And that's what we're going to do right now. Yeah. And his stuff and Brett's stuff, to me, it's one of those bands that it really takes you back to a particular moment in time. For me, I mean, I wasn't around when this stuff came out, neither were you, but my parents were listening to this stuff in, in the 80s, which is when I first got introduced to them. And it just takes you back to me to a somewhat simpler time. You know, their, their music is very, I would say, straightforward, singer-songwriter, guitar-based, simple but really beautiful lyrics, incredibly catchy melodies, a mix of melancholy versus more upbeat things. And I, it just takes me right back to being in the backseat of my parents' car, you know, in 1984 when they were listening to these songs, which for them were probably a little bit of nostalgia because this was 10, 15 years after they'd come out. And it's just like kind of the classic, easy listening singer songwriter uh, songs from that era. I, I liken it to last season when we, uh, voted an episode to Boz Skag's Silk Degrees, as you know, 
a sentimental favorite of mine, and I believe a sentimental favorite of yours. The songs on the Bread Anthology, which is what I was listening to as a kid, my siblings were playing it. Um, I couldn't tell you the first time I heard it. They were just sort of ingrained in my psyche and my being from a very young age, like the songs on Silk Degrees or like the Happy Birthday song. You know, you just right. sort of, all my life I've known If and uh, Make It With You. Because of that, there's so many memories, like you said, sort of tied into these songs. It's been amazing. It's been so important over the years, the, the work of David Gates. And I know that there's people out there who are, are scratching their heads right now going, all right, so last week these guys devoted an episode to Pulp, a pretty cool 90s British pop alt-rock band. Uh, the week before, they spoke of uh, Fleetwood Mac, which everyone loves Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, earlier in the season, we, we talked about Radiohead, Brian Ferry, all these really innovative, highly respected, cool artists and bands. And <laughs> this week, we're talking about David Gates and the kings of 70s easy listening, soft rock, bread. And I don't give a shit. <laughs> so put that in your pipe and smoke it well yeah and i i do feel like maybe i'm being overly uh, generous here but i feel like their work has been pretty influential even when you listen to more modern bands i hear hints of them in bands you know there's sort of in the last decade this rise in I guess I would call it Americana type music, you know, the Mumford and Sons type stuff. And I sometimes hear hints of, of bread in there, you know, with groups like Broken Bells, which I, I really like, or even Lord Huron, you know, some of these bands that are, there's certainly, their production value is a lot more layered and intricate than what bread was doing. But in these beautiful melodic tunes, so I, I think even though history has maybe overlooked bread, I think they've been influential. I, I would agree. I, I get what you're saying, that, that kind of folky, acoustical element that you hear in some of the groups you just mentioned. Uh, I pitch David Gates, you know, the, the higher register and the falsettos. Of course. Well, we said it a few weeks ago. Radio had fake plastic trees. First time you heard it, you, you turned to me and you go, this guy's trying to sound like David Gates. This sounds like bread. Yeah, absolutely. I stand by that. I know it sounds crazy to say Radiohead sounds like this soft rock 70s band, but I, I really do think it's true. We should form a cover band that does nothing but Radiohead bread song. We call it Radio Bread. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you could do mashups. I'm like, fake plastic diary, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could, we, could, we could work with this. But no, I, I see what you mean. And I think that bread sort of came along right around the same time that you had this rise and significant commercial success of the mellow acoustic male singer-songwriter in the mm -hmm. early 1970s. Uh, and I'm talking about James Taylor, Cat Stevens, Gordon Lightfoot, Jim Croce, Dom McLean. Uh, and anyone and everyone can name at least two or three songs from all of those guys. But if you stop the average person on the street and, and you're like, give me the name of a couple songs by Bread by David Gates, they couldn't. 
But then if you were to put on the Brett Anthology, I guarantee that they would know half the song. Right. And I think that Brett and Gates, they were these kind of faceless wonders. And for my money, in a New York minute, I would take David Gates' work with Brett over anything by James Taylor, Don McLean, or late Jim Croce. And I would argue that his best songs, David Gates' best songs, can go toe-to-toe with the best work of Cat Stevens and Gordon Lightfoot. And I know that's quite a statement, but I'm sticking with it. Wow, that is bold. That is bold. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. You've never, you've always been very lukewarm on James Taylor. Um, I like Handy Man. I think that's a good song. Uh, yeah. Fire and Rain is all right. Um, but no, aside from the rest of the, aside from those two, uh, the James Taylor catalog is throwaway thing. And I know that's <laughs> a terrible thing. Yeah. I, I think I'd I just probably, don't like it. I mean, I, I hold him in higher esteem than you do and, and maybe some of those other artists too. But I, your general point, yeah, I think Brett is right up there with them. And I think what makes bread have kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit is that they, they didn't really stick around too long. There was some infighting, you know, we, we really should mention Jimmy Griffin, who was the other co-lead singer, a great musician in his own right. He never got the fame and credit that Gates got. He, from what I read, whether it was Gates doing or whether it was the producers doing Gates usually got the A sides of their singles and Griffin would get the B-sides. And, uh, you know, it seems like there was, that built some resentment and contention and they didn't stick around that long. Um, you know, they did do, I think, a, a reunion or two um, many years down the line, but the core of this group's production was over, you know, less than like a five years. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're not, you know, people like James Taylor were putting out music forever. So I think to have, to have had as many hits as Bread did, there's a dozen, at least, incredible hits that they had that they came out with over a you know, span of just a few years. Exactly, exactly. And then even songs that Gates wrote for others uh, are to be praised, and you know, we'll perhaps get to that in our picks. But you're right, what, what they did in five, six short years was mind-blowing. And again, pick up a Bread Greatest Hits compilation, yeah. The Bread Anthology is the one everyone knows, and that's very comprehensive. And that's got 20 tracks, half of which you will know, and you will know word for word. To give people an idea, Chris, of just how well-respected Gates is as a songwriter and how beloved his work is and unsung sometimes, I compiled a list of singers who have covered his songs and in many cases, who have received a good deal of commercial success with these covers. And this is what I'm about to share is very much an abbreviated list. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of performers who have covered David Gates' compositions. Kenny Rogers, Isaac Hayes, Aaron Neville, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes, that Jennifer Love Hewitt. Engelbert Humperdinck. Kenneth Babyface Edmund. Remember him? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's kinda, he was kind of big for a, for a hot minute there in the mid-90s. He was kind of like, like the John Legend of the 90s. He kind of he was, actually. Yeah. And he really had a beautiful voice. He did a lot of production for other people. Uh, about <laughs> 10, years or, 10 years ago or so, he did a pretty good cover of Diary. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, who should be said, he and I share the same birthday. That you didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so does Mandy Moore, uh, for that matter. But as far as I know, Mandy Moore never did a David Gates cover, although she does do a pretty interesting cover of Todd Rundgren's Can We Still Be Friends? You know, that's pretty good. I, I actually like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad at all. Uh, but I digress. A few other artists uh, of, of note here. Olivia Newton-John, The Monkees, Rod Stewart, Boy mm -hmm. George, in sync had a minor success with the cover of uh, everything i own yeah uh scott walker perry como johnny mathis tom jones julio iglesias frank sinatra hootie mm -hmm. and the blowfish who yes. uh about 15 years ago covered goodbye girl and that covers next to impossible to find uh it's it's like finding hoffa's remains you I, you sent it to me earlier this week. I believe you found it on some sort of Russian MP3 download site. The only place I could find it, and I literally spent hours uh, finding it. I could not get it anywhere else. I got it on some Russian site. Thank you, Comrade Putin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that my, my social security code has been stolen by now ever since I clicked on that link. I, yeah, but was it worth it? Was it worth it? You know, it just might be. It was a pretty good version. Yeah, it is a pretty good version. But so speaking of the, the songs themselves, uh, we thought it would be a nice idea if, in honor of, of David Gates and his 80th birthday. And Mr. Gates, if you're listening, we, we wish you a very happy birthday. Chris and I thought it would be wonderful to count down our top five favorite David Gates compositions. Yeah, and let's be, let's be honest. David Gates, I mean... Of course, David Gates is listening. This is the hottest podcast in America. It is sweeping the globe. So happy birthday, Mr. Gates. We, we appreciate your work so much. He's, you know he's on his ranch in, in where do we say, Oklahoma. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's probably listening to us on a regular basis. Probably yeah. got a nice <laughs> stereo system. And then in between, you know, milking the cows and yeah. whatever, and shoveling the manure, he's like, all right, it's time to put on Listen Closely. <laughs> exactly without further ado chris let's do this all right i want to say i kept it to bread compositions i didn't get into his solo stuff which you know probably doesn't muddy the waters too much but to me there's two kinds of bread songs there's the one that's it's more about the wooing stage or the already got the girl stage those are very melodic to me i always picture like a couple kind of laying in the high grasses, you know, with like a picnic lunch and the guy is just very beautifully serenading the woman. Then you have the ones, the type of songs where everything has gone wrong. The girl has left and the guy is trying to get her back. And those, when Bread does them, are these epic, sweeping, tour de force kind of power ballads. My number five is more in the latter category. Okay. It is Lost Without Your Love. Ooh. This, I believe, was one of their later, off one of their later albums. But to me, it just hits you right in the gut. It's a very sweeping, intense, borderline melodramatic song. Uh, but I love that one. That is, that is an amazing choice. And you know, it, it's, 
obviously it was a hit for them, but it's not one of the ones you hear quite so often. No, it's it's not, not as much. It came out, I believe they, they split up and then they got back together. And I think it's it's off the album titled Lost Without Your Love from 1977. Just a really beautiful, emotional song. Very sad song. They really tug at the heartstrings when they want to. Uh, I mean, that I think that's what they do most you know they especially gave david gates with that sort of angelic high range voice it can make you want to cry punch to the gut sometimes yeah you know the lyrics are are simple but very beautiful i I wander through the night and search the world for the words to make it right all i want is the way it used to be with you here close to me and i've got to make you see that i'm lost without your love it's very not a song that you listen to on a cold winter night when you're by yourself and you've had a lot to drink. Well, maybe it is. I mean, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm curious to see what your number five is. I mean, this was full on Sophie's choice for me. Like, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm Meryl Streep. Am I giving up my son, Jan? Am I giving up my daughter, Ava? I, what am I doing here? You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Terrible, terrible now. It's a great film, though. Meryl Streep really is a leading actress of our time. Anyway, it was so difficult. And there were no less than 10 songs, Chris, that I was torn between. And unlike you, I did throw Gates's solo stuff into the mix. And I hope that doesn't muddy the waters too much, as you said. For my number five, I went with what was probably in the top two or three most popular Gates compositions. And it's a song that I think perfectly represents his brilliance and the unique sound that Brett had. The song is Make It With You. Oof. Uh, you know, musically, it's a perfect catch-all for Brett. It's, it's mellow, has a sort of seductive, dreamlike quality to it. And it, it, it blends the acoustic guitar and strings so beautifully, like, like uh, they did with a lot of the Gates Brett uh, compositions. And... What I like about Make It With You, Chris, I feel like certain bread hit songs are a little heavy-handed and overly produced when it comes to the strings. Like, they're great songs, but it, it can be a little bit too much with yeah. the production mm-hmm. um, and that sort of dreamlike quality. I think If is an example of this. Aubrey is an example of this. But Make It With You, everything is just right. And melodically, it's beautiful. You know, Gates' angelic voice is fabulous as always. And lyrically, it's, of course, seductive. It's, it's one of those two categories of Gates songs that, uh, that you spoke of earlier. This is the other category where it's full-on seduction. But I think that on the surface, Make It With You sounds as though, you know, he wants to uh, you know, use a phrase that, You've, you've used before, go downtown, pound town, right? Uh, but um, I think that if you um, listen closely, make it with you is really about building a relationship with a woman mm. uh, that maybe he doesn't know all that well, but he feels could be a contender for a long-term steady partner. And uh, I really think that's what it's about. It's not simply trying to get this woman into bed. The lyrics, I mean, you know that dreams, they're for those who sleep. Life is for us to keep. And if I chose the one I'd like to help me through, I'd like to make it with you. I agree. I mean, it's a great song. I think you touch on something about Bread's and his lyrics that, you know, there's a lot of really kind of sleazy stuff that comes out of this era, which is great. But Bread does have this almost more wholesome 
feel exactly. to a lot of their songs where, you know, don't get me wrong, it's still about... Seduction. Yeah, it's a mixture of lust and love and not just lust. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's about building something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I love, um, there's that little trill that he does in, with his voice in the beginning of these songs, you know, um, dreams. A little bit of vibrato in the voice. Yeah, yeah. Love that. So good. Yeah. It, this song to me is timeless. It's hard to believe that it's 50 years old. I think this was one of their first singles, if not their first single. Well, where do we go from here? Well, what did you go with for number four? Whew. Well, here's where it starts getting tough. Um, but in the end, I, I went with Baby, I'm a Want You. Ah. This is an incredibly melodic, beautiful song. It came out in 1972. I believe the album this came off of was Baby, I'm a Want You. For me, what makes it is sort of the, the bridge parts of the song where he goes into that falsetto. Um, Used to think my life was just emotion passing by. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. so beautiful and it adds this, you know, a lot of the song is very slow and melodic, but when, when it gets to those parts, it adds this, this bit of edge and drama to it. It's very weird, the phrasing of it. <laughs> Why was it not just baby, I want you? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it's very indicative of their, their kind of simple, beautiful lyrics. Um, maybe I'm a crazy, but I just can't live without you. You're loving and affection, giving me direction, like a guiding light to help me through my darkest hour. It's not the most groundbreaking lyrics, but when you pair it with this beautiful melodic tune, it's very powerful. And again, on the surface, it's a song about seduction, mm -hmm. just like Make It With You. But when you listen to the lyrics, like the ones you just recited there, mm -hmm. it's about more than that. It's, it's really about building something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great choice. It's an amazing oh. song. How about yourself? What do you got for number four? All right. So I, I, I went off the rails a little bit with this one. I don't want to say I cheated ever so slightly, but oh boy, uh, it's a Gates composition, but it's <laughs> one that he had actually written before Bread actually formed. And as far as I know, there's no version out there, at least no commercial version, of Gates performing this. Uh, so there was a very popular group in the mid to late 1960s who had a string of hit songs, uh, most of which were not written by the members of the group. I am, of course, Chris, referring to the Monkees, mm. uh, who had big hits with songs written by people like Neil Diamond, Harry Nilsson, Carol King, Paul Williams. But there was a lesser known, not quite as famous Monkees song that appeared on their first LP and was written by none other than a young David Gates. It's undoubtedly my favorite Monkey song, and it's called Saturday's Child. Now, this is not to be confused with Thursday's Child, which used to be on Channel 8 News up here in Connecticut. Remember that, where they would, like, profile the kid in the orphanage that, they did. that was, like, 13 years old, and they're like, Jason's a really good child. He has anger issues, but that's I think you should adopt him. And they'll show him like tearing the head off a Cabbage Patch Kid or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is Saturday's Child. And um, if you listen to this upbeat, jangly pop rock song, you'd never know it was written by the same guy who wrote It and Baby, I'm a Want You. It sounds more like, I don't know, 
like the Hollies or the Dave Clark Five, you know, that kind of lighthearted pop rock of the, the mid-60s. Um, but it's such an amazing song. It's a simple little ditty of young love and lust, of boy meets girl, boy chases girl. Uh, not unlike most of the songs that era. And it's got this, this catchy, fun, simple refrain. I'm in love with Saturday's child. She drives me wild. Gonna spend my time making sure that Saturday's child is mine. This song is forgotten by most people today, though the monkeys, what's left of them, still perform it in concert. And it's a, it's a fan favorite. And most fans and most people have no clue that this was written by David Gates. Well, that's a, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. You know, I'm not super familiar with the song, but I knew that he had written one for the monkeys. And I think, you know, it's worth noting, he, he works with a ton of extremely successful, famous acts. His band, very early on, it may have been in high school or just out of high school, did some backing numbers for Chuck Berry. That's right. So yeah, I think that pick shows, you know, just how diverse and talented and, and accomplished he is. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of the other people that he worked with, Elvis Presley, Bobby Darin, Merle Haggard, uh, Brian Wilson. Gates, in a lot of ways, was a real musician's musician. And that's a great pick because it shows that. So then let's move on. Uh, I'm, I'm itching to know what you went with for number three. I think now it's going to get very interesting. It's real tough here. I mean, we're talking about some real heavy hitters. This is a song that I think some people could make an argument that it's their best. It's off of the 1971 album, Mana. Uh, you get the whole Mana from Heaven bread mm -hmm. connection there. And the song, it's a short one, but it's an amazing one, If. Yeah. It's just one of their best written songs. Some of his finest work. It's so beautiful. It's such a quiet, peaceful song that, that to be honest, I kind of had it lower down in my rankings at first, but it's definitely one that, the more you listen to it, the more, the more it grows on you. As Gates with that high-pitched kind of quasi-falsetto uh, right from the start. If a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. If a face could launch a thousand ships, then where am I to go? I think it's, it's just one of their purest sounding songs. That it's an amazing song. It did not make my top five. Get out of here. No, um, it did not. Uh, I love the song, but it, if you can imagine, there are five other Bread songs that, yeah. um, that I like more. And this was actually, I think, number seven on my, uh, on my list. But I absolutely love it. And again, that's no small feat. Lyrically, it's probably Gates' best work. It's so good. And I, yeah. It's so good. And, you know, when I mentioned earlier the list of artists who covered Bread songs, David Gates' composition, the majority of the well-known uh, older ones, they were on that list because they covered it. I'm right. talking about uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, Frank Sinatra, Julio Iglesias does a cover of it, and he does it in English and Spanish. Oh, no, no, English and Italian, which I can never figure out. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it is timeless. It's, all, it's almost like a standard. Now, do you know what I mean? It's almost like when yeah. you listen to the old Sinatra songs, 
uh, from the the 1950s. Um, yeah, the world on a string or um, any of the ballads from from that era. Uh, this is very much a standard. It's a yeah. great American standard. It is. It really has that timeless quality to it. Telly Savalas also did a sort of spoken word version. That's of right. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the song, it had a lot of success. It, it got as high as number four on uh, the Billboard Hot 100. You know, it made it to number one on the, the easy listening charts. So you don't have If in your top three. What, what do you have at number three? Okay, so my number three is such a goddamn incredible song. It's, it's intense. Melodically, it's beautiful. It really is sheer perfection. In fact, the only, there's one reason why it didn't rank higher on my list, Chris. And that is because the song is so bad that I almost can't listen to it sometimes. And I think you know what song I'm referring to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, the song is Everything I Own. Whew. And I have a hunch, Chris, that this song ranks high on your list. Um, you. So maybe just send me like some signal if you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to hold off on my talking points until I get to the song. Um, okay. Well, I think that would be, I think that would be a smart move. That sounds good. I don't want to steal your thunder here, you know? No, you're not stealing my thunder, baby. Um, no, we'll, uh, yeah, that's a safe move. It's a safe move. It's an incredible song and we'll, we'll certainly talk more about it. All right, then. So this takes you to number two. Yeah, number two for me is a little bit of a surprise when I went back into Bread's collection over the last couple of weeks. It's one I always liked, but, you know, I, I'd never just been sitting around ranking my top Bread songs. And when I started to, I, I realized that this, this song was really a lot higher than I might have expected. This is off of the eponymous Bread album from 1969. Uh, it's a song that got to number 10 in the U.S. on the Billboard chart. It Don't Matter to Me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this song, when you really listen to this song, I mean, you want to talk about a haunting, beautiful song. You know, It Don't Matter to Me is about, it's, it's a guy who is singing to a woman who has sort of gone out and uh, left him, perhaps not forever, but she's kind of playing the field. And he's okay with that. He says, it don't matter to me if you take up with someone who's better than me, because your happiness is all I want for you to find peace, your peace of mind. A lot of people have an ego hang up because they want to be the only one. How many came before? It doesn't really matter, just as long as you're the last. It sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> well, hey, you know, this is... It was 1969, yeah. Not slut shame anybody here. I just think it's so beautiful and it's such a, a different perspective, you know, that you, we've talked a few times about how their songs are not just about lust, but love. And I mean, what deeper love than this than saying, hey, go out, do your thing. But, you know, when you, the end of this song to me just, it's beautiful and it, it breaks my heart. Um, you almost sound like you choked up a little bit. There. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, have you been drinking? It's early out where you are. <laughs> Maybe I have. Maybe I have. Well, um, it's the holiday green, season. Where Gates comes up to these high, you know, hits these high notes. Because there always will be an empty room waiting for you. An open yeah. heart waiting for you. 
And then he hits that big falsetto. Time is on my side. That sounds more like a Rolling Stone song right there, but okay. Yeah, that's, well, you know, yeah, fuck you. Fine. But it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's gorgeous. And it's, I mean, it really does. It's one of those that chokes me up. I always liked this song. It wouldn't make my, it didn't make my top five. It does make my top 10. Uh, I think it's a fantastic choice. You know what I always found interesting about this song? It, when it get, by the time it gets to that, that beautiful high-pitched falsetto, it's almost as though the song has shifted in an entirely different direction because it starts off very plain, very bulky, mm -hmm. mellow. It don't matter to me. You know, he's strumming the acoustic, and you're like, all right, this is going to just be a very middle-of-the-road surface acoustic ballad. And then he takes it in this direction with that falsetto, and it really is sweeping. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but it does. It has this slow build that is so powerful. powerful. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So we're on to your number two. What would you go with? Oh, man. So here's one that I sort of overlooked uh, over the years. But in recent years, I've truly come to embrace. And I went with David Gates' solo hit from 1977, the theme to the Academy Award winning film, Goodbye Girl. The song is called Goodbye Girl. It's simple, infectious, beautiful. Uh, I don't know what won the Academy Award that year for Best Original Song, but it must have been really amazing to beat this. In fact, I don't even know that this song was nominated. Um, I just find the lyrics to be simple but touching. All your life you've waited for love to come and stay, and now that I have found you, you must not slip away. I know it's hard believing the words you've heard before, but darling, you must trust them just once more. Because baby, goodbye doesn't mean forever. Let me tell you, goodbye doesn't mean we'll never be together again. It's so good. Coming out a little bit later than a lot of the, the core bread songs, I feel like it's got a little different production value to it. Sure. Um, there's something a little a little smoother, a little like hints of that late 70s, early 80s pop. But I just, oh my God, I just love it. It's, it's another one that, it's one that just sort of slips through the cracks of history. It's a song that you rarely hear on the radio, you know, but when you had mentioned it to me, when we were talking about David Gates' solo stuff um, offline, I, you know, I pulled it up and it was like, oh my God, that song. I know that song. That song's amazing. And it should be said, the Hootie cover is pretty good. They, they reimagine it a little bit. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's as good as the original, of course, but if you folks out there are brave enough and you want to go on a Russian website to listen to this, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, the Hootie one's fine, but it doesn't hold a candle to the David Gates one. No, but it's, it's worth a listen, I would think. Yeah, I will say Hootie, I mean, they make it... They definitely make it their own. You know, it has, uh, it's not just like a straight cover version, which that's my, for me, I don't know about you, but cover versions to me, you have to do one of two things. Either you have to do it better than the original, which is very hard, or you have to do it with a completely different spin to it. Agreed. And I think Hootie's is, is different enough that it, it makes it very interesting. That takes us to number one, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, you, uh, you alluded to this before. 
off of the Baby I'm a Want You album from 1972 is to me, undoubtedly, Bread's best song, David Gates' best song. This is a song that I too, for a long time, I just couldn't listen to it. I, I really, it <laughs> took me to such a, such a dark place. Uh, and it's a beautiful song, don't get me wrong, but there's something in this song that is so powerfully sad that it is tough to take. You know, do not listen to this song if you've gone through a breakup because, no. No. you know, listen, there's something to be said for like leaning into the sadness. This is leaning, this is like a full dive into a concrete waterless swimming pool. I mean, this is just, and, and the song is everything I own. Hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100. You know, we talked about the two types of bread songs. This is the tour de force sweeping epic straight from the get-go. Uh, to me, what makes this song is it has these very naked, vulnerable Gates lyrics. You sheltered me from harm, kept me warm. You gave my life to me, set me free, set me free. But then he kind of goes from that quasi falsetto into a little bit of a lower register. But the, with a lot more power. A lot oh, more intensity. Yeah, it really, it's like it just coalesces into this, the finest years I ever knew. I won't sing any more than that. But that was pretty good, though, actually. Much better than your, uh, your previous Jagger-esque moment. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then, you know, the, the chorus. I would give anything I own. I'd give up my life, my heart, my home. I would give everything I own just to have you back again. Um, God damn, it's so sad. Jesus. It's so sad. And just <laughs> listening to the lyrics, you know, doesn't do it justice. It's, there's no. something about this sort of slow build builds into that just crescendo in the refrain that just rips your heart out, man. It does. It really does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I, as I said a moment ago, this could have been my number one, but it's too much. It's just too much to listen to. Yeah. And uh, it, I suspect that radio stations don't play this anymore because people will just drive their cars off bridges if they're, if they're <laughs> listening to it anywhere near a, a bridge that's fairly high up there. Like the GWB, bam, you're going over the side. <laughs> uh, the Tappan Z, oh, I'm sorry, no, the Cuomo, uh, yeah, you're going to go over the side. It's just, it's yeah. too much, but it is so absolutely beautiful. It really is. Yeah, and you know, you've talked a lot about cover versions. I mean, there's, there's so many great ones. Shirley... Uh, Shirley Bassey, uh, Olivia Newton-John, Rod Stewart is a great one of this, Chrissy Hind, um, and then a lot of teeny boppers have done this. Vanessa Hudgens uh, and, and Boyzone, InSync. I, I would not pay much mind to the InSync version. It's a pretty... What did you think of the Boy George version? Did you get well, that's really? what I was going to get to. What's interesting is Boy George and some other artists have done kind of a reggae cover of this. Yes. Because George's, I believe, is actually a cover of someone doing a reggae cover. Cover um, of a British reggae artist, I guess. Yeah. And when I first read that, I thought, oh, dear God, no. But I'll tell you what, the reggae versions are, are pretty damn good. And I, <laughs> think, really are. Yeah. I think it has something to do with it, it tones it down a little bit. You know, right. when you get this kind of um, playful reggae beat, um, it adds this this really intriguing juxtaposition between that and then the power of the, the refrains because it still has that that powerful refrain. They don't really lose that, but there's something about it that's kind of cool. 
I agree. It, it makes it a little more palatable. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's not so intense, uh, but it's still a haunting song. And so, who is the song about? And, and I happened to stumble upon an interview with Gates. Are you ready for this? Uh, yeah, Ooh, I'm so intrigued. Who? About his father. Get out of here. Uh, I cannot. Um, yeah, he, he wrote it about his father who had passed on some years prior. And uh, all along, you think it's, it's about a, a love that, uh, you know, a romance that has failed. Uh, it, it certainly would seem that way when you listen to it. But no, he had written a song about his father who had passed away. And that kind of makes you look at it in a whole different light. But it's, it's no less haunting. It is, man. That even makes it, that might even make it more powerful. Right. The finest years I've ever knew or all the times I spent with you. You taught me how to love. Yeah. You never said too much, but still you showed the way. And I knew from watching you, nobody else could ever know the part of me that can't let go. Yeah, you can really see it in there. Oh my God, that's amazing. That is. Um, this episode of Listen Closely with John and Chris brought to you by Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> that it's so right. I mean, listen to yeah. Towards the end, is there someone you know, you're loving them so, but taking them all for granted. You may lose them one day, someone takes them away, and they don't hear the words you long to say. I mean, this is like living years. This is Mike and the Mechanics now. Oh, it's much better than living years. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know how I feel about Mike and the Mechanics. I'm a fan, but. <laughs> I love them too, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's that sort of song. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I might, wow, we're gonna have to edit out some sobbing in a little bit but uh <laughs> it might be good for ratings yeah oh my god um well i know my dad usually listens to this podcast and dad i just want to say <laughs> i love you uh oh my god this is i'm getting get a little choked up here let's move on john what is your number one bread slash david gates song i'm so intrigued i don't know where you're gonna go with this i'm going in an entirely different direction my friend in fact my number one may surprise you a bit I went back and forth over the course of the last few days. Uh, at one point, everything I owned was my number one, but I told you the reason why it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, Goodbye Girl was my number one, but I felt that that was kind of cheating as it's, a, it's not a bread song. Um, in the end, I settled on a true favorite of mine, one that always puts a smile on my face. That song, Chris, my number one, David Gates' composition, is Sweet Surrender. Wow. I know, shocked, aren't you? Yeah. It's, it's a little more upbeat than the rest of Gates' bread hits. And I like the easy breezy vibe of the song and how it just sort of floats along. It has a great bass line. And it's not quite yacht rock, but it's not your run of the mill easy listening either. Maybe it's a little more what we spoke of last season as being Marino rock. Yeah. Uh, lyrically, it's a bit rock? Like Dan Marino rock? No, not Marino. No, Marino. <laughs> yeah, Marino rock. Okay, good. Yeah, no, not Marino. Um, and it's a bit, lyrically, it's a bit sexy. And, and Gates gives us better rhymes in this song, in this two and a half minute song, than a 90s hip hop superstar, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. You keep your rights, I'll take your nights. No one can lose when we turn the lights out. Taste and defeat. 
but love in that sweet surrender. Now that it's done, so glad you won. I know our lives have only begun now. No more retreat, only my sweet surrender. Yeah. I mean, cool. it's a great song. I gotta say, I'm a little surprised though. I, to me, this, this made my, where did I have this ranked here? I believe I had it seventh. Um, seventh or eighth. Yeah, I, I think it's a great song, but to me it kind of lacks that, uh, that emotional punch of, of a lot of the Bread songs. I'm a, I'm a little surprised. But I think that's why I went with it, because so much of them have that emotional punch that you just kind of want to feel good sometimes, and that's what this song does. I, I mentioned earlier, it's easy, it's breezy, it's fun. Um, I also think you don't hear it quite as often as some of the others. And uh, the, the bridge has an outstanding falsetto by David Gates. Um, don't hate on it, man. It's a, I'm not hating it. It's a great song. It is, it is beautiful. It's a little, bit, a little bit different, you know, from a lot of the other songs we've talked about in that it, it does almost have a little bit more of that yacht rock vibe to it or marina rock. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm... Uh, I feel like maybe you're you're repressing some stuff here. You're you're not letting yourself really feel the pain. Well, listen, if any consolation, again, everything I own was going to be number one, sure. and at one point, uh, my number five there was uh, was "Make It With You." I almost bumped "Make It With You," and my original number five was "Diary," which Ooh. you want to talk about pain, you want to talk about depressing. <laughs> This guy finds a woman's diary randomly underneath. Not just any woman. Yeah, a woman that he's got a thing for. I think they're together, right? I mean, I think they may even be married. Well, but see, they may be. And he he starts reading the diary, which is a total invasion of privacy. But whatever, it was the early 70s. And, I mean, you had Watergate. So, like, I think, you know, invasion of privacy really... No one really gave a shit about that. Um, he reads the diary, thinks that these beautiful sentiments that this woman has, ri- has written is about him. And then when he gets to the diary's end, he realizes they're about some other guy. Um, and they're married. I mean, and as I go through my life, I will give to her, my wife, all the sweet things that I can find. They're- but some- Okay, you think they're married. I think he starts to fantasize about their life together upon reading the, the passages in the diary. Interesting. But then when he comes to the harsh realization, oh shit, she, she's not referring to me. She's referring to so-and-so down the road. Uh, yeah, either way. It's, yeah. He could do nothing but wish her well. Uh, so, again, I, that almost made the list, but my feeling for Sweet Surrender is it's just, it's a little different. It's fun. Uh, it just makes me feel good. It, it's the bread song that I listen to the most. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry, man. So is that what you do, you know, in like the voting booth? You get in and you're like, well, I, want, I don't want the best, but I want something that's a little different, you know. Maybe I'll go for the Green Party. Is that, is that how you rank things? I've never voted Green Party. I never <laughs> party. Um, let's not go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I kid. But look, it's a great, it's a great song. To me, it doesn't quite measure up. But I, uh, 
there's no denying it's a fantastic song. And I, I will agree. I mean, I'm somebody who for a long time couldn't, like literally would, I, I would hear anything I own, everything I own, you know, on the radio, or I'd walk into like a CVS and it would be playing, and I'd walk right out. Like I couldn't listen to it. <laughs> uh, I understand. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> now, okay, uh, this this leads me to to the next talking point here. Do you have any particular memories associated with David Gates, Bread, the songs, or pop culture references? Just as we do with most episodes, anything that you'd like to share that won't result in you having a total breakdown here. <laughs> Well, I mean, what I was going to say, we've kind of already touched on it, but I, you know, my, I can remember my mom playing this album a lot, and I believe she was playing it, you know, when I was in high school, this would be like early 90s, playing it was probably the Bread Anthology collection. Sure. Yeah, and I, you know, it was, it was high school, there were, there was a tough year or two there, we're going through some, uh, some growing pains, and I think that's when I developed the aversion to everything I own because I associated <laughs> it with, like it was, a, it was the wrong song. It was the right song for the wrong time in my life. Um, and yeah, for, I mean, I, I'm really not kidding when I say that I, I could not listen to the song. And finally I got to the point where I was old enough <laughs> and enough years had gone by where I, like someone who was kind of opening the door to a closet that hasn't been opened for, for years and years. And you know, you're kind of, creakily opening it and peering in and, and that's when I kind of was able to listen to it again. <laughs> uh, I, I envision you more as like Nicolas Cage in 8mm watching no. that, that <laughs> snuff film that he had to like shield his eyes because he was oh, so disturbed. Yeah I, I never saw that song uh, that movie but I remember Don't. watching the preview with you where they have that scene and we, I remember both of us saying what could be on that film that he's so disturbed about? Yeah, that's disturbing. Yeah, and I, you know, I just have a lot of memories. You know, I'm pretty sure that this would be one of the bread was a group that you know my parents would pop in the probably the tape deck at that point uh, right. when we'd be on vacation in in Cape Cod. You know, it's very like Cape Cod kind of beach oh, summer totally. type music. Um, so Easy I, I totally associate it with that. Yeah. How about you? What 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 does this bring oh, to mind? There's so many, and I started writing down a few different ones. The one I want to go with, though, uh, I was on a cruise about seven years ago with my then-girlfriend. It was a Holland America cruise, and there was a piano bar on board. And the guy who played in the piano bar was this 60-something you know, cruise ship piano bar career entertainer, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can tell he'd been doing this for God knows how many years. So every night was a different theme at the piano bar. Sinatra night, Neil Diamond night, et cetera. One night toward the end of the week was all request night. So, of course, everyone in the piano bar, Chris, was shouting out the usual piano bar crap that we've heard too much in our lives. I mean, you can guess the songs, right? Yeah. Sweet Caroline, New York, New York, Friends in Low Places. Uh, but you know what happens if it's an all request night in a piano bar, and I've had a few drinks in there. Oh my God. Uh, so I just yell out, play some bread. <laughs> and the guy, his name was Michael. He'd got, kind of gotten to know us that week. He looked right over and smiled and he said, yeah, I like that. So now here's the thing. You know how most lounge acts these days, like they will be the guy at the piano or the, the keyboard, but they'll have the pre-recorded backing tracks, right? Like the, sure. like just to make it sound like there's an actual band. Uh, accompanying yeah. them 
but it's really just a pre-recorded track that has drums, synthesizer. Uh, well, most of them that do that these days have that those tracks stored on their laptop so they can stream it, or maybe an iPod so they can just hit a button and it plays. Okay. Not Michael, the piano bar on the Holland American Nordam. He had some old Sony Vio laptop from like 2002. Mm -hmm. And he would walk into the piano bar every night with this giant, almost briefcase filled with floppy disks. Oh, wow. So <laughs> the, on these floppy disks were backing tracks of God knows how many songs. So because of this, he would take lengthy breaks between songs, talk to the audience, just so he could kill time to find the necessary floppy disk with the backing track, right? Oh um, or he'd play the piano one-handed, and in the middle of whatever song he was playing, start searching for the next floppy. Anyway, it's unfortunate, because the guy was such a great piano player, had such a great voice. Uh, he does did an incredible version of Make It With You, which he had the backing tracks on a floppy disk. Uh, but anytime I hear Make It With You, I, I think of this guy, I think of being on that, uh, that ship. And I just wonder if all these years later, if he finally embraced like MP3 technology at the very least. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have video somewhere, which I'm going to find, and maybe you can post it uh, to, to the Twitter yeah. page. Yeah. Uh, this guy playing Make It With You. And you could actually see him halfway through the song trying to find the floppy for the next song. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I also have them really on cruises in those lounges. Uh, sometimes they're just they're phenomenal, really. Like you, you never expect. Oh, sure. It. You can hear some some great stuff. You can. I mean, I also have a video footage of him somewhere singing uh, "Low Down" by Boz Skag. So <laughs> incredible. That's this guy was no joke. He was the real. Oh, and "Do It Again" by Steely Dan. So he was oh, the real deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, anytime I hear "Make It With You," I think about. Michael, the Hawaiian piano bar guy on the Holland America ship. Definitely a good memory. So final thoughts as we wrap up our 80th birthday tribute to the great David Gay. Well, I just think that he and Bred have slipped through the cracks a little bit over the years. And I would encourage anyone listening who's not familiar with them, don't let that happen. You know, give them don't a look. They're, they're great. You, you will surely know some of their songs. And there's plenty more that you probably don't know that are fantastic songs. Exactly. Check David them out. Check them out. Do check them out. David Gates, happy 80th birthday. Thank you for the music. Do our uh, listeners and our fans out there definitely check out some bread on Spotify uh, this week. If you have a chance, you will not be disappointed and be sure to follow us on Twitter at podcast closely and follow us on Instagram at listenclosely.podcast. Christopher, thank you as always. I'm going to let you go now so you can go cry in the corner listening to everything I own. Yeah, I think I'm going to call my dad. God. Call your dad. <laughs> call your dad. Hi, Mr. C. Please come back next week where we will be back with more of this stuff and another great album and artist to speak of. So long. Mm -hmm.